a weekly get-together where we talk about pursuing a passionate relationship with God in the 21st century. My goal in my Christian life is to become really intimate with the God who loves me so much and to have him change me to be more like the Savior. And as he does that, I hope he'll touch my life and change my life and enable me to touch and change the lives of others. And this podcast is really for all of us who are on that same journey. And as we get started today, I just wanted to share another book with you guys, a book that has been really, really important in my life in the last several months since I've read it. It's called The Insider. It's by a man named Jim Peterson and Mike Shamey, or Shammy. It's a great book. Uh, the subtitle is Bringing the Kingdom of God into Your Everyday World. And if you ever feel like you're not doing enough for God because you're not in traditional Christian ministry, this is a book you have got to read. And I am not being, I'm not using hyperbole here. I am not, uh, you know, just making stuff up to make it sound better than it is. This is a book that will make you understand what it means to be a Christian in the real world. By that I mean the world outside of church, the world outside the walls of the institutional church. In fact, I love the uh, little headline on the back of the book. It says, you are right where God wants you. That's really the premise of the book, that God has placed each of us in a position wherever we are in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our work, where he can use us. And this is a terrific book. I highly, highly recommend it. It's about, oh, 200 pages, 250 pages, I guess, and it is well worth the read. Again, it's by Jim Peterson, who has written a number of really good books, and it's called The Insider. Pick it up. Nav Press, it's on uh, Amazon, I believe it's at Barnes & Noble, um, Borders, places like that, but pick it up, it'll really change the way you view your ministry, because really our ministry is our lives, and the fact is that God wants to use all of us, not just those that are in professional paid ministries, and this book talks about that, how we change, can change our mindset into one where we look and see God's kingdom all over the place and God's work all over the place and it's just great so I hope you'll pick it up called the insider Jim Peterson highly recommended now we're going to look at some news Okay, now before we get started with the news for today, just wanted to remind you that I'm open to uh, questions, comments, ideas, anything you might have. You can drop me an email at nftw at sbcglobal.net, or you can check out the blog that's attached to this uh, this podcast, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Either way, I look forward to uh, hearing from you. Uh, now in the news today, I've got a story from uh, the Christian Post from October 11th. It's called Evangelicals and Progressives Seek to End Culture Wars. You know, I'm not going to take time to read the whole article. I would suggest that you go to ChristianPost.com, take a look at it there in their archives. It's a great article and it's very, uh, it's very enlightening. I just want to touch on a couple of things. Apparently there was a meeting about a week ago between uh, evangelical Christians and progressives uh, seeking to find some middle ground 
on issues such as abortion, gay rights, and the role of religion in public life. And I don't really have a problem with that because I think we do need to be looking at how we can work even with people who we disagree with to reaching our goals. But there was nothing in this article that I saw at least that talked about from the evangelical side the fact that what we're dealing with are moral issues, not just political issues. And I do agree with what they're saying, that we need to work to make abortion uh, less prominent and less. Uh, there need to be less and fewer abortions. But the fact is that this is a moral issue, and abortion is not just a political crime or a political issue, but it's a moral atrocity. And, uh, and you know, it, it's frustrating. I'm just, I'm just frustrated because sometimes I think in our willingness to uh, work with people, we lose the fact that what we're talking about in all these issues, in fact, every issue that's political really at its heart is moral. We're deciding what's right and what's wrong for us as a nation. I would like to see Christians get to the point where we argue not just politically, but that we argue morally. The church needs to revive its prophetic voice where we look at both political parties and we can say, in these areas, you are not doing what you are called to do by the God who put you in power. But we lose that sometimes. I think one of the reasons we lose it is because we become so tied to one uh, party or the other uh, that it becomes an us-against-them thing where it should be the church standing outside the process and working within the process to say this is what's right and this is what's wrong. And whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, these are the things that you need to be doing. And we're going to hold everybody's feet to the fire. We miss that a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's interesting, and I know I agree that, um, you know, on the issue of gay rights and homosexualities, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a paragraph in here that says, on gay rights, uh, progressives and evangelicals found that they both shared a commitment to human dignity and the golden rule, which I totally agree with both of those things. I do find it interesting that they didn't uh, say that they found a commitment to human dignity and the golden rule for unborn children. That's probably another issue, but if they agreed to human dignity and the golden rule for unborn children, then I think they would agree that abortion was a moral atrocity. But on the other hand, as far as uh, homosexuality, and especially when it comes to uh, HIV and AIDS, the church has dropped the ball uh, in a very horrible and terrible way, in a way that I'm not even sure can be repaired at this point. Because we looked, when, homo when uh, HIV and AIDS uh, came about 20, 25 years ago, uh, the church looked at that as being God's uh, punishment, or God's, uh, you know, God dealing with the homosexual community instead of looking at it as a lifestyle disease and because of their lifestyle something terrible has come upon them and we don't treat any other disease like that you know i've never seen anybody chastise someone who has a massive heart attack because they didn't eat properly you know i never see anybody say oh you know deacon smith he really, really has, is not a very... He's not a believer. Maybe he's not a believer at all. Because look at all the red meat he ate. You know, look at all the things that he did. He didn't exercise. All these things, and now he's had a massive heart attack. Well, you know, that heart disease is as much a lifestyle disease as HIV or AIDS is. 
and yet we condemn one as being immoral and one as being a tragedy. And that's the difference. And I think that's the main thing I want us to look at, um, just very briefly, is the way we treat moral issues and we come down hard on the issue and sometimes we forget to love the people that are involved in the issue. Because God, as much as he hates sin, gave his son to save the sinner. Sometimes we forget that in the political arena. And because we forget that, we come across as harsh, we come across as hypocritical, and we need to remember that God is a God who loves the sinner. And we need to be on the front lines of taking care of the HIV and AIDS patients. We need to be on the front lines of stopping the genocide in the Darfur. We need to be on the front lines of taking in people, women who are pregnant and single and are thinking about having an abortion. We need to be on the front lines of those things. And often we're not because we're so busy, busy criticizing those people. So, you know, it's great, I guess, if evangelicals and progressives want to get together to end culture wars. But my prayer is that we don't forget, one, we don't forget truth. And that we don't forget morality and what's actually moral, what God actually expects from us. And third, that we don't forget people. Because Christ died to save sinners. That's a truth that will never change, no matter what. And if we are engaged in bringing that word that God loved you so much that even when you completely, just completely mess up your life, that he loved you so much that he gave his son to die for those sins, that's when we're going to be a more effective witness. Not when we're able to stand outside of an abortion clinic and scream at pregnant women. But when we're able to stand and say, God loves you, even though you've blown it. Because believe me, that single woman who's going into the abortion clinic, she knows that she's blown it. That guy who's dying of AIDS knows there's something horribly wrong with his life. And we need to be the people on the front lines saying, you've blown it, but God loves you. And you know what? I've blown it, but God loves me. And because he loves me, I'm going to love you in return. It's just something to think about, um, that our, our solutions aren't political, our, our solutions are spiritual. And I don't want us to look at the, at the political sphere to solve spiritual and moral problems. And kind of in that same vein, I'd like for us to look at uh, what God has to say to us through his word. disturbing question and since it's disturbing I'd like to share it with you so I can be disturbed with everybody else and not just on my own but let me read these verses to you because uh, I think that uh, maybe they'll be disturbing to you when I ask the question uh, but listen to these verses it's just a few of the ones that are kind of rummaging through my mind right now um, so, uh, Romans 8 1 says there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus First uh, John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness." First uh, Peter five seven says, "Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you." 
Luke 12.32 says, Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Matthew 7.7 Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to him who, who knocks the door will be opened. And Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you, if his sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, I was thinking I'd read one of these verses and then the rest of them kind of came to mind as I was uh, reading and kind of pondering scripture. And the question, the one that's been disturbing me is this, and it's a simple one. Do I believe the Bible? You know, I grew up in a church where we talked about being people of the book. You know, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church at the time when Southern Baptists were debating whether we really believed that the Bible was the true word of God. And we were a church that believed that it was, and strongly believed that it was. And I still do believe that it is. But the question is, do I believe the Bible? And I want to ask you the same question. Do you believe it? Do you believe it's God's word? Do you believe it's inspired by God? Every single word of it inspired. Do you believe that God tells the truth when he speaks in his word? If you do, then these verses should be life-changing. Uh, for me, these verses should be life-changing. These verses tell me that God is completely in my favor. That he is willing and able and ready to take on anything that the devil or the world or even my own flesh can throw against me. And it just makes me wonder why it is I don't come to him more often. You know, we've been talking about things that keep us between, that keep us from gaining that deep, intimate, passionate relationship with God. I'm afraid that sometimes what keeps us from being closer to God is some misconceptions we have about him. In other words, do we really believe that he's completely good and that he's completely on our side? Are we still somehow trying to hide our sins like Adam and Eve did in the garden by putting fig leaves on? It makes me wonder. Because if I really believed that I could cast all of my anxiety on him because he cares for me, then I would spend a lot less time worrying about things and a lot more time giving my cares and my anxieties to him. If I really felt like there was no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, then I wouldn't ever be afraid to come to him. You know, a, an author, and I can't remember his name offhand, uh, wrote a book that I really enjoyed a few years back called With Open Hands. And the premise of the book was that when we come to God, in prayer especially, that many of us come with our fists closed, and we're going to tell God what, he, what we're going to do, and we're going to him with all of our plans and our our designs and desires but we need to come to him with open hands to receive what it is that he has for us and one of the reasons why we can come to him with open hands instead of a closed fist is because what he has for us is wonderful and good 
but do I believe that? Do I live my life like I believe that? That's really the question, because I can believe it, and I'm afraid sometimes that my belief never gets any farther than my brain. And what I believe in my head is not what I live in my life and what comes out in my heart. Uh, and so this is a disturbing question to me. And I hope in a way that it's a disturbing question to you also. Do you and I really believe what God says? That when in Matthew 6, 26, when, it's, when Jesus said, Look at the birds, they don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store, because their heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says, Aren't you far more valuable to him than, than a bird? Well, of course we are. But do I trust him like I'm more valuable than a bird? Not always. Not always. You know, and Jesus makes it sound so simple. Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. You know, he doesn't say, you know, if you've, if you've done all of the spiritual disciplines and you come to the Father, he's going to, he's going to answer your prayer. He says, ask. You know, doesn't James say the same thing? He says, the reason why you don't have is because you haven't asked. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I think sometimes we make things so complicated and so hard on ourselves when all God asks for is that we ask. You know, a lot of times I can relate it to you know my own experiences as a father with young children. You know, I know what they need, but sometimes I wait for them to come ask me. You know, so that they get the idea that they they need to ask and not to be afraid to ask. To ask what for what they need and what they want. And you know what? I love giving stuff to my kids. Do you think God has any less pleasure giving things to you and to me? I don't think so. So, I mean, this is, like I said, this is, if you really think about it, to me it's a disturbing question. Do I really believe what God said? Am I, am I really trusting the fact that God is totally in my favor? That what Paul said, that if God be for us, who can be against us? And that nothing can separate us from the love of God? And if I really believe that, if I really, really know that that's true, then how is my life going to be different? That's really the question we need to ask. How is my life going to be different? How much more time am I going to spend praying? And how much less time am I going to spend worrying? How much more time am I going to spend worshiping and rejoicing in the fact that God knows what I need even before I ask for it. You know, Jesus said that too. And he's just waiting for me to ask. And, you know, we could get into all the, the nonsense, well, you know, you have to pray according to God's will. Of course you have to pray according to God's will. But, you know, a lot of times I don't know God's will and I just need to ask him what his will is. And he'll do it. I, you know, it's it's crazy. You know, sometimes we think that uh, you know that if if God, you know, really does these things, that He'll have to give us everything, no matter how crazy our requests are. No, because if I'm His child, I want what He wants, and He wants to give me the things that are best for me. So I hope this question is as disturbing to you as it is to me, and yet I hope that in finding the answer for it. It'll, it'll drive you closer to the heart of God. Because he loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his son for us. 
so that not only can we be saved, but we can be sons and daughters of the living God. That's the whole point of the gospel. It's not just that he wipes our sins away, but he makes us his own children. And, you know, like Jesus said here, you know, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? So my encouragement this week, for me mostly, and if you want to you know, follow along, that's good too, is simply to ask and trust that God loves us so much that he's going to give to us and just come to him and not to be afraid of him and not to look to see if he's really on our side because we don't need to make God happy. God is already well pleased to give us the kingdom. And so I hope that's encouraging to you. It is to me, but it's also, like I said, it's a disturbing question. How are we going to be different because we believe God loves us? Well, this is all we have for this week. I hope this has been encouraging and stimulating and inspiring, and I hope that it will just cause you to just want to seek God out more because he really does love each one of us uh, just more than we could ever imagine or think. If you have any thoughts or questions or ideas, get in touch with me at nftw at sbcglobal.net or visit the blog that's attached to this podcast at notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. I hope and pray that you and yours are doing well and that we get together next week. Until then, God bless. Thank you.